to Disorderly Dogs, the podcast for dog owners. If you find yourself in precarious predicaments with your dog, this podcast is for you. I'm Rachel Harris. I'm a certified professional dog trainer, and I hope to give you a fresh outlook on your dog's behavior and practical dog training advice. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Disorderly Dogs, the podcast. If you are new to the podcast, welcome. I am so delighted that you are here. Um, My name is Rachel Harris, and I am a certified professional dog trainer, and I own and run a Good Feeling Dog Training based in Denver, Colorado, and I am beloved dog mom to Tiva and Waylon. So thanks for joining me. I hope that you find this podcast useful. Um, To all you lovely people who have been on this journey with me, thank you so much. It's been so fun. So I'm really excited to share today's episode with you. Um, I love the dog community so very much. And one of the lovely Instagram accounts that I've been able to connect with um, sent me a DM and said, hey, can we do an episode about bringing your dog to work with you? And that is exactly what we did. Our conversation is so productive. Um, So Allie is um, the human (laughs) behind the Instagram account at only underscore Paisley. And she works for a nonprofit called Paws, Pets Are Wonderful Support, that exists to preserve the human-animal bond for low-income San Franciscans and their companion animals. And we had so much fun. She takes her dog Paisley to work, so she kind of gave us some of the real day-to-day aspects. And we talk all about um, how to decide if you should take your dog to work with you, what to do when you take your dog to work with you, and how you can keep it a dog-friendly environment and keep good relationships with all of your coworkers. So guys, I'm really looking forward to sharing this conversation with you. And if you have a topic you'd like to hear about on the podcast, send me a DM. I'd love to hear about it. I've got some really good episodes coming at you in the future. We're going to do an episode about breed miss. We're going to do an episode about doggy daycare. So guys, if there's something you want to hear about, now's the time to connect with me over on Instagram at a good feeling underscore NCO. If you haven't already joined the Facebook group, Disorderly Dogs, the conversation continues. Join us. Let's talk, right? If you have more questions, comments, concerns after the episodes, this is a fabulous place to do it. And guys, if you like this podcast, please do me a favor, share it on social media so that more dog owners can find it and have better relationships with their dogs. I'm sure you are well aware of CBD for dogs. I give Tiva and Waylon daily CBD just to promote their overall health. And we use VetCS. VetCS is a veterinary-based hemp therapy company, and they make products for not only dogs, but they also make cat and horse products too. Their products are lab analyzed, and they will give you unmatched customer service. We love VetCS, and we are so excited to share this wonderful product with our listeners. If you are interested in learning more about VetCS, you can head over to their website, vetcs.com, and you can use code DisorderlyDogs for 10% off your first purchase. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Disorderly Dogs, the podcast. I am so excited because the human behind the Instagram account, uh, account only Paisley, um, she messaged me an episode about office stocks just so happy to be in the office. So she is joining me today all about taking your dog to 
So thank you, Ali, for taking the time. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me on, Rachel. I appreciate it. Yeah. Okay. So I think that we should start by talking about deciding if you should or maybe should not take your dog to work. So will you just kind of tell us some of the considerations you thought about when deciding if you should take Paisley to work with you, just like on from her perspective, like how she likes to interact in the world? Yeah, totally. So to be completely honest, one of the main reasons I was looking for a new job was because I wanted a dog friendly office. (laughs) But that's because I know that Paisley is really well suited to that environment. I mean, lots of different offices are very different. Um, But I was mainly thinking about like, what is my reason for wanting to bring her? Is it for me? Is it for her? Is it for, you know, husbandry purposes? Because coordinating like those midday walks when nobody's home is like, you know, complicated and costs money sometimes. So, um, but for Paisley specifically, she doesn't have separation anxiety. So leaving her at home is not a specific issue, but honestly, we just love being together. And if I'm going to be at a desk, you know, eight hours a day, I would love for her to be there with me. Um, and she is, She's very social, but in a way that is very, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, It's not overwhelming, right? So she will interact with people if they initiate, but otherwise she just kind of like does her own thing and she's fine with people approaching her in all sorts of different ways. She's not startled by noises or she's not bothered by other dogs. So really she's just like the perfect office dog candidate. Um, And yeah, I just wanted to have her with me all the time. Yeah. And I feel like that's how so many people feel, right? That like, like you said, trying to get it like a reliable dog walker to come in the middle of the day, I think can be a lot of, you know, for people to manage. And the fact that you can just take the dog with you and they get to be with you all day is so awesome. And, you know, I wanted to kind of touch on something that you said about Paisley, her ability to cope with or without interactions with people. And I think that's really important for people to think about, right? Because if you have a dog who is desperate to greet people, that's much different than a dog that like has the ability to not interact with people also. Yeah, absolutely. Like I'm not setting her up for frustration. She's not going to be like dying to say hi to everybody that walks past like dog or human. Um, She's really capable of um, ignoring most things which I think is a big plus when you're considering whether your dog can come to the office with you and like right now we're not in the same room I like moved myself to a quieter space where nobody would judge me for talking about dogs to myself yeah <laughs> um, so she's not in this room with me because she doesn't particularly like it um, she's just like at our desk sleeping and I know that she's fine with that that's not stressful for her um, it's not a nuisance to anybody else so that, that was a big consideration. Yeah, no, and I think that that's super important, guys. So, so think about that. If you want to take your dog to work with you, can your dog deal with not being the center of your attention? Because I think that that's something that can cause some issues, right? As a dog who is desperate for your attention and can't cope with being ignored while you actually do the work. Right, because you're at work to work. Like, you still have a full job to do. And In the beginning, I feel like people were giving me a little more allowances as we adjusted, like, oh, I might be distracted and, you know, going out for more walks and things. But at the end of the day, you don't get like a a bonus hours of your day to take care of your dog. You still have to do everything you're there to do. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And like, that's something I think about a lot too, with Tiva in particular, is that Tiva cannot cope very well if she doesn't get to be the center of my attention. 
Right. So like if I, if I worked like in an office and I worked like longer hours, she probably wouldn't be a great candidate because her ability to like cope while I do other things isn't super great. (laughs) Yeah. That would be tough. Right. And like, and I think that's important for people to remember is because like, I'm always like praising and raving about Tiva because she's amazing in so many ways, but that's definitely an aspect in which like, I I couldn't ask that of her. Like she doesn't have that as a skill set. Right. Not every dog has to be an office dog. For sure. Right. And right. Okay. So, um, are there other dogs allowed at your job? Yeah. Um, it's funny. My job is pretty centered around dogs and companion animals in general. There's some other programs in the building that aren't dog centric, but I am one of two people that regularly brings my dog to the office and the other person is in like a completely different part of the building. So she doesn't really interact with other dogs much here, but definitely that's a consideration I thought about too. And, there's one person that brings his dog somewhat often, and that dog, um, it was a question in the beginning if he was going to be okay with Paisley coming in, so that's something we were really careful about in the beginning, and they're totally fine now, but um, there was kind of like the hierarchy, like that dog had already been here for a while, so I had to make sure that she was going to be okay, otherwise I had to have that backup plan of either having better management or not bringing her in. For sure. Yeah. And I think that that's something that everyone needs to be thinking about because, you know, in every office scenario is different. None of them are the same. Um, But I think in general, if you have a dog who doesn't love the company of other dogs, can be fearful, nervous, reactive, aggressive, and there are already dogs going to your established office and there's a chance they could all interact, like, I think that that would be like definitely a no for me if I had a dog in that scenario, because, you know, you have to work in this place with other people. And I think that that's something that is really important, right? Like preserving your relationship with your coworkers. And if the dogs aren't going to get along, I think that that can create a whole nother layer of like emotion um, that maybe wasn't there before. So obviously we're talking about the dogs, but I think your interactions with your coworkers, like it's important to preserve those relationships too. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's like bringing your dog to a public space, but where there's a lot of social context and relationships that you need to preserve. So you can't just like uh, assume that everybody knows how to interact with dogs either. Or I, I live in San Francisco, so there is huge dog culture here and a lot of people that work for startups. Um, and I've heard people talk about their dog friendly offices being honestly kind of like a nightmare where it's like a free for all dog park and like they can't can't leave food at their desks because dogs are going to run by and take things. Um, so I think it depends on the culture too. Yeah, but absolutely. That's not a good culture. <laughs> right. Well, and like what we were talking about before, just on the flip side of that, if you have a dog who is overly social and doesn't have the ability to like cope and chill during the day, like I think that that can throw a wrench in the scenario too. And like, you know, same thing here in Colorado, right? Like I I know of lots of offices where dogs are allowed. And like you're saying, like some people who want to bring their dog don't because for lack of a better word, it just turns into a shit show, right? Like dogs are stealing food. They can't get work done because dogs are like playing crazy all day long. So I think that there's, there's so many considerations, right? And you got to, if your dog is like desperate to play with other dogs or your dog can be reactive or aggressive, I think that those are probably two spectrums where maybe it's not a great fit to take them to work. 
Yeah, because a big part of it is being like courteous to your coworkers. Because as much as I like to talk about how much I like people or dogs better than people, <laughs> when you're in an office space, like you have to respect your coworkers. And one thing I I realized recently. Um, is that I have coworkers that are very smell sensitive and like I don't think Paisley smells bad she's very clean she has a good healthy diet but um, a coworker pointed out that like he could smell her and he wasn't saying it in like a negative way but I was like there are so many sensory ways that you have to be aware of that your dog is bringing to the environment so I now wash her bedding on a regular schedule because I feel like that's kind of what ends up smelling but there's so many things to think about Yeah, no, absolutely. And you have to be willing to like adapt and evolve, you know, like as this dog starts coming, like it's bound that these little things are going to come up. So you definitely have to be ready for that as the owner. Um, So taking your dog to work, I don't think it's just like this easy thing like people think it is. Yeah, there's a lot of management that goes into it. And that's why I was excited to have this conversation with you because I'm um, very type A, like I love planning and spreadsheets and stuff. So when I was getting ready to take Paisley in, I was like furiously Googling, like, what do I need to know to take my dog to the office? And nothing was really what I was looking for. There was nothing about um, management with other dogs or enrichment activities or good cues to practice with your dog before. It was all just like, uh, make sure you bring like a water bowl. And I was like, that's... That's not helpful because there, yeah, there really is so much that goes into it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, um, okay. So just a few more considerations when you're deciding if you should take your dog to work. So like you were saying that Paisley isn't super noise sensitive. I think that that's something that you really have to think about. Like, can your dog cope with some of these abnormal sounds that may happen in your workplace that they don't hear on a, on a regular basis? Yeah. Yeah. Our building is really echoey and there's a couple other dogs that are a little bit more noise sensitive and will bark when they hear things like out on the street or just weird sounds of like deliveries and stuff and doorbells. There's a really loud doorbell and I'm just really lucky that she's not sensitive to any of that. Honestly, I can't even take credit for it. Well, yeah. And I think that you bring up a really good point, right? Of like doors opening and people coming and going a lot. And if your dog is a dog who barks at your front door regularly when people come in and out, that may not be like a deal breaker, but that's definitely something you're going to have to have strategies in place to deal with. Right. Because that's a sign that they're stressed out too. If they're barking at people coming and going, that's not a, a good emotional state to be in all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So, um, And I think that, you know, that leads us really nicely into, is your dog capable of being quiet for a long amount of time? Yeah, that's, I'm, again, I'm lucky that Paisley really hardly ever barks. um, So I knew that wasn't going to be an issue, but the, the dogs that come to my office, that's probably the big thing that people bring up concerns about is the barking, especially if they're, they're being left alone. Yeah. And, and and that's a huge one, right? Like I've worked in several offices, right? Where like they called me in to like figure out how we could like manage the office better, which is amazing, like on a company-wide cool. standpoint, yeah. right? Um, but that was definitely one of the biggest issues is that the dogs being left in offices alone were electing a lot of unnecessary noise. And uh, like you were saying, right? Like that is a dog stressing. So that's definitely something to consider. If your dog can't be quiet if you and comfortable when you leave them alone, that is something you either have to work through or leave the dog at home. 
Yeah, I really think you do need like an active plan, especially when you communicate with your coworkers, because I've seen, even though I've only been at my job for a year, I've seen the dogs that tend to, I hate the term demand bark, but they, for lack of a better word right now, they demand bark, like they're lonely, they want attention, so they bark. And then what happens? People pay attention to them, they try to quiet them down. And then that behavior has a really strong reinforcement history. Yes. Yes. Right. And if you don't have a coping strategy, it's only going to get to be more of a nuisance, right? Like you're only going to be accidentally reinforcing the very behavior you don't want. Yeah. Like there's one dog where he barks and then there's like a chorus of people that just go lion. (laughs) And then he's like, yes, people are paying attention to me. And so the behavior continues. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I think that those are really good things for people to think about, right? Guys, if you're thinking about taking your dog to work, I think that you should kind of work through some of those considerations, okay? So if you have decided your dog can cope with these things, they're ready to go to work with you, um, can you tell us what your pre-work routine is with Paisley? Because I think that this is like a crucial element of taking your dog to work is the pre-work routine. Yeah, absolutely. So um, she's not a dog with a lot of high exercise needs physically, but we do go to the park every morning and she gets to run around off leash. But I think the bigger benefit of that besides physical exercise is the mental exercise. So she can smell everything she wants to, mark everything she wants to, walk in any direction she wants to, and really make those choices. Um, And then we usually... uh, also go for a a walk like I mean I end up parking kind of far away from the office so we take that kind of leisurely walk in I give myself plenty of time so we're not rushing or stressed and she can really just have a I like to call them sniffaris. I've heard people say that before too. I love that term. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's really all about her kind of draining that mental energy so that she is exhausted and ready to just sleep the rest of the day. Yeah no and and that's super crucial right and um myself and many other like-minded trainers are always preaching, right? This, like the dog, giving the dog the ability to move freely and use their nose as they desire and the positive impacts that has on your dog. So I think that's an essential outlet and your that outlet needs to be allowed every morning before you go to work. Yeah, absolutely. And we do it during the day too. Um, it's That's one of my favorite benefits of bringing her to work with me is I have that forced break where I'm like, okay, I have to take Paisley for a walk. But the emphasis is always on like, how is this walk going to benefit her? And which direction does she want to walk? What does she want to smell? How much time does she want to take? And then, yeah, she's ready for a nap the second half of the day. Yeah, I love that built-in break where you get to go get some sunshine or, well, I'm sure it's not always sunny in San Francisco, but at least you get to get some fresh air. <laughs> uh, it's always nice to to take a little stroll for sure. Nice. Okay. And then um, two, I think that it kind of seems like a no-brainer, but I think it's still important to recognize that I think that it's probably specific to each dog, but I think that allowing your dog to eat, digest, and like empty themselves prior to the workday so that like your early morning doesn't have to be disrupted because the dog has to go to the bathroom. Like those are just those little details that I think you need to get right to ensure success. Yeah, you definitely have to have a schedule that works for you and for your dog. And so you don't have to like be thinking about it constantly. And yeah, Paisley can hold it for sure, but we have a pretty solid routine of when she's going out to the bathroom. Nice. Okay. So, um, I think let's talk about setting our dogs up for success while we're at the office. Okay. So, um, where is like 
uh, Paisley's like place? Like, where does she hang out while you're working? So I have kind of like a like a cubicle almost with like a wraparound desk and she has a bed it's actually multiple beds stacked on top of each other because she's spoiled um that's like uh in like a corner kind of under a desk overhang so it's like a very protected area that people can't really easily get into or they can't really see her um and then I have a baby gate around my my desk as well Nice. Yeah. So I think that you bring up two super good points, right? One being that there is a space in your office that's appropriate for the dog and that the dog is comfortable, right? Where the dog isn't going to get like bombarded by people or other dogs, but they're also content to hang out there. So I think that that's something that when you're looking at it, I think you have to be strategic, but I think that by and large, making sure that the dog is kind of blocked off so no one can like approach them suddenly and stuff like that. I think that that's super important for people to look at like in their specific setups. Yeah, it's really a place where she feels safe and she'll go to it on her own. Um, so I know that she um, is not stressed out there. And uh, due to the nature of my work, there are sometimes loose dogs running around too from like clients and stuff. So I always make sure to have her not somewhere where she would be accessible to other dogs and things like that. Yeah. And I like how the baby gate works too, right? The baby gate keep works to keep her confined, but also prevent dogs from running up on her. Yeah, just safety and management for sure. Yeah, for sure. And I think everybody's got to look at their own specific setup, but I think that some sort of formal management. So whether that be a baby gate, an X pen, a tether, a crate, um, I think that that's a pretty integral part. And I know that it's challenging because a lot of offices have um, like open concepts, right? Where the dogs are all loose. If you work in an office like that, I think that you need to have like a meeting with everyone you work with and come up with more of a formal management strategy. Because I don't think that having dogs loose all the time without any barriers is very productive. Oh, that sounds super stressful, honestly. Oh my God, right? Exactly. Dogs just running around all the time. And I, I know it, they're all specific, but I can think of one specific client who the office was just, it was just a free for all. Like there were no formal management strategies at all. And um, dogs actually stopped being allowed. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah, My office no, like has has a leash policy, and sometimes we don't follow it just based on our own judgment. Like Paisley follows me pretty much at a heel if I ask her to, um, and most of the other dogs do as well. But that's kind of the baseline: is you have to have control of your dog, and you have to respect other spaces. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I love, and I love like the sentiment of the leash policy, right? Um, mm -hmm. okay. So let's talk about some outlets that you bring, like specifically like chewing mental enrichment that Paisley gets to do while she's at the office while you're working. Yeah, honestly, she likes to sleep a lot. So I'm pretty lucky in that regard that I kind of, I don't always have to be giving her something to do, but I'm always prepared to, um, things like bully sticks and Nyla bones. Um, I have a licky mat and we have like a specifically, uh, labeled dog jar of peanut butter for all the dogs at the office, nice. um, Kongs, things like that. Yeah, that's great. So, and you know, you, I know you guys have heard me preach time and time again about appropriate chewing outlets for your dogs but I think at the office is especially important right and if you have a dog who sleeps a lot like Faisley you're lucky in that way but I think that there yeah. are definitely some dogs who probably are not as content to sleep for that long yeah some offices probably have really tempting and dangerous things to chew on too yeah <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> oh my god. Okay, guys. So I'm sorry for the background noise. I can hear Tiva and Waylon like running around playing with each other in the other room. So here we are. <laughs> <laughs> I can only do so much. How dare you? <laughs> no, right? Oh my god. Okay, so um, you know, we kind of touched on this a little bit, but I want to touch on it just a little bit more. Is you know more management strategies for the office. So, um. Like we talked about, some sort of physical barrier is super important. A crate, a baby gate. If you guys are not familiar with an X-Pen, look it up. I'll include a link to it in the show notes so you guys can check it out because I think that X-Pens could be a really nice solution to a more like open office com- like concept. Um, and I think then- that's actually what's around my desk and it's not a baby gate. I think it's an X-Pen. Okay. Yeah, because it's yeah. like pet safe, whatever that brand is. Sure, for sure. Yeah, X-Pens are very versatile and useful in that way. And then I think, too, you know, tethering, even just like tethering your dog to your desk can be another really effective management strategy if your dog can cope with that. Yeah, we tend to do that when we're like at conference tables and things like that, just as simple as leaving the leash uh, tied up against the, the desk. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, we touched on this a little bit, but some common courtesies. So like you were saying, right, like being um, conscious about the fact that maybe the smell of your dog is maybe more than you thought. Um, And I think, you know, we talked about dogs stealing things off of desks. But to me, that's like, that's a pretty big betrayal of your coworkers trust letting your dog eat their lunch. Oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. And it's so funny because I have heard so many stories from, you know, like spaces where there are dogs and that is always like the biggest complaint is that the dogs are stealing people's lunches. So um, I think it's really important that you're thoughtful about that stuff and kind of like anticipating some of these scenarios that may arise. Um, And I think that that, you know, is a good transition into some useful trained behaviors for the office. So Mm -hmm. um, a really good leave it. I think is pretty imperative. You never know what you're going to encounter in the workplace that the dog may try and put in their mouth. Yeah, absolutely. Your coworkers could leave things out that are tempting and they might yeah. not know any better. <laughs> exactly. Oh my I once God. had a coworker like offering Paisley a grape and she was almost going to eat it. And so that oh. leave it came in handy. And my coworker and I had a conversation after that about dog safe food. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I think that a dog who can walk nicely, whether it's on a leash or just at your side, like you were saying, is that you can just cue heel and she'll walk at your side. I think that that's a really useful trained behavior in the workplace. Yeah, absolutely. That and a good recall, too. Yeah, absolutely. I think recall, that's one I didn't even really think about is being able to call your dog off if they are loose in the office. Um, Okay. And then I think a settle on a mat is crucial for so many life situations, but especially if the dog comes with you to work. Yeah, absolutely. We use that every day, multiple times a day. Like if we're getting up and going somewhere else in the office, I have a a designated blanket. That's her settle blanket. And she knows that if she lays down on that, good things will happen. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, and I think something else that's worth mentioning is that if you work in an office and people are taking their dogs and it feels like it's starting to be a free for all, I think that it would be really useful to get everybody on the same page about behaviors they should be training with their dogs at home to make everyone's life easier so that the workplace doesn't have to become non-dog friendly. 
right? Like, I think you have to support your fellow coworkers from a non-judgmental place about like, okay, what can we all do collectively to work with our dogs so that we can make this more viable in the future? Yeah, definitely. Having that kind of shared behavior repertoire (laughs) can help people be on the same page. Yes, because if you have one dog that's capable of settling on a mat while all the other dogs are doing a free-for-all, like that puts a lot of pressure on one specific dog. And I don't think that that's really conducive to like a long-term work environment where everybody can cope. Yeah, no, if it's stressful for the dogs, it's going to be stressful for the people too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Okay, and then I think something else that's definitely worth bringing up is um, the issue of resource guarding. Um, Resource guarding of objects from people and from other dogs. Um, So is there any resource guarding between the dogs at your office? Um, Luckily, no. I... I am hyper vigilant of it though, because just even though I don't ever have to worry about these things with Paisley, I spend so much time thinking about and reading about dog behavior that it's just something that is like on my radar. Um, So we all know not to leave things like bully sticks or Kongs or just other high value items out. And generally we just keep our dogs to their own spaces. Like nobody's going in any other dog's beds and anything like that. But um, it's definitely something that requires active management. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, consideration and common courtesy for the dogs and their safety in their own space, right? So um, if you guys take your dogs to work, like she's mentioning, right, like don't leave out high value food items. I don't think that there should be food bowls on the ground. Um, I think that it's probably best if there's a water bowl per dog um, just to prevent any resource guarding from arising. Um, And, you know, I think that if your dog is at at a level where they're resource guarding like a water bowl or something like that, I think that that indicates, you know, probably a level of stress that's not conducive to the dog coming to work with you, right? Like a relaxed, happy dog, I don't think is going to be as intense about resource guarding in that way. I agree. Yeah. And I think you just always have to be prepared for the worst worst case scenario, especially when it comes to other people interacting with your dogs. Um, I just kind of assume that people know nothing about dogs when they interact with them. And uh, with Paisley being a bully breed, especially, I'm always on the lookout for anything that people might choose to blame her for. Or I just never want to put her in a situation where her breed comes into play. Um, and I'm sure you understand that with Waylon too. Oh yeah, no, a hundred percent. And it's, you know, it's not right or fair, but it is an extra responsibility of being a, a blocky headed owner, right? Is like you're saying, you have to anticipate and kind of foresee some of these things, um, not, you know, to protect your dogs and protect yourself and hopefully start to change minds and, you know, perspectives and opinions about blocky headed dogs. So that's why I, I love your Instagram account so much is just, you know, seeing people out in the world really just showing how fabulous these blocky headed dogs can be and how they deserve to be all in all of these places. Um, you know, everyone, I'm sure if you guys haven't listened to the episode about breed specific legislation, um, I get on a soapbox, but I won't get on that soapbox. In this episode. <laughs> you can just cut that audio into this one. Yeah, exactly. I'll just <laughs> copy and paste it. <laughs> Okay. And then, you know, I think that something else that that we should um, kind of transition into is 
coaching people to interact or not interact with your dog, depending on your dog's ability to coexist with people. Right. So like, for example, Waylon loves people, but he will absolutely jump on them. So that's Mm. definitely something that like, if I was in an office environment, I would probably be asking people like not to say hi to him unless we're like, maybe like out on a walk or something. And I think we have to be careful about not like increasing like arousal levels with constant interactions with people too. Yeah, definitely. There, there are a lot of things that happen on a, a daily basis. Not, not just not uh, particularly with Paisley, just because she's not a very high arousal dog. But people love to interact with dogs in a way that really riles them up. Like, who's a good dog? And you want a treat? And I, I see lots of people like egging dogs on to jump up on them and things like that. Um, so yeah, having those uh, enrichment outlets is really helpful for getting those arousal levels back down too. Yeah, for sure. And I think you know. Um, you mentioned this in in the email when we were talking about this episode is like doing some sort of like formal signage if it's necessary. Yeah. Yeah. When I was doing my research about office dogs before I started bringing her in, this is the one thing I wish that somebody would have told me is that you can be clear about your rules for interacting with your dog. Um, uh, a time where I wish I had done that more is that, my coworker taught Paisley to give paw and I was like very specifically not teaching her that behavior because I didn't want her to just learn that giving paw or like throwing your paw at somebody can get you access to reinforcement. So I was deliberately not doing that. And then my coworker taught her now she knows how to do it. But also the way that he was teaching her as somebody that is not very active in the dog sphere. When I saw him doing it, it was like, uh, not very good training, like leading to some frustration and confusion. And I just really wish that I had said something before it could progress that way any further. Yeah, for sure. And you have to be super conscious of that stuff. And guys, um, I am with you on the not teaching shake. Um, I very rarely, if I mean, I can think of like two, two cases in my whole career where I suggested teaching the dog to shake on cue, because what happens is that we don't get it on stimulus control and the dog is not only Mm -mm. doing it when you ask for it. And then it turns into this really obnoxious attention seeking behavior. And it's not the dog's fault, right? Because it's worked for them in the past, but it gets really annoying on the human end. I feel like for people that don't interact with dogs very often, like they think that dogs just have that button pre-programmed where like every dog can sit, lay down and give paw. And so everybody was asking her for it and she's smart and food motivated. So she learned how to do it. And now like, yeah, if she wants something, she punches me for it. Yeah, for sure. So I think that, you know, you have to be a member of like the dog community in your workplace and helping people understand like behaviors that we don't want to be reinforcing because it can compromise everyone's ability to work. Yeah, it's, it caused some awkwardness a little bit too, but I think it was totally worth it. And one thing that was particularly awkward at some point was coworkers telling Paisley no. And I can't even remember what they were saying no about because she doesn't really do anything no worthy. But yeah. I mean, like you, I only use force-free reward-based training methods and no is not even in my training vocabulary and I never say it to her. It's like she considers even like the word and the tone to be aversive. So it's just not something I ever say to her. So when he was telling her no, I was like, that's not something you can do with my dog. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, 
Um, ladies and gentlemen of the internet, if you work somewhere where there are dogs and you feel like it's kind of going awry or if they're starting to allow dogs or if dogs are already established in the office, I think it's extremely beneficial to get a dog trainer into the building, right? To see the whole thing. And I think, you know, not only like, so a dog trainer can see like what should be going on and setting up management strategies. I think as it's just getting everybody on the same page. So everybody can hear it from one person and it doesn't have to be this like awkward back and forth. Right. And I think that having like formal um, dog policies already in place can make it just a smoother, um, a smoother day to day for everybody. Yeah. Can eliminate a lot of awkwardness about like who is more right about something. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it's a touchy subject. Like people don't want to hear that, like, they're not doing something right with their dog or your dog. Like it's, it's very much like a, a fragile ego, ego thing for people. So <laughs> I think that you can just forego that if there can just be formal management strategies and policies already in place. Yeah. And just don't train anybody else's dog if you're not a dog trainer and you don't have their permission. <laughs> Preach. Oh my God. Okay. So Allie, any final thoughts about taking your dog to work? Um, I guess this is a more practical thing, but we kind of mentioned before about like having rules for interacting with your dog. I have used the powerful but dangerous tool of the all staff email. (laughs) Um, Like particularly when Paisley had, I think this was a dental surgery. I don't know. She's had so many surgeries. She had some like uh, mass removals too, but I used that once or twice for just like letting people know either please make sure you don't give her vigorous belly rubs or please take note of the stitches behind her ear or like she can only have soft treats right now. I I can read my office and I know that that sort of thing is okay. So use that wisely. Um, and I've also printed out signs and put them at my desk. Like if I happen to walk away, um, people would still know that she can't have hard treats, things like that. But yeah, just don't be afraid to advocate for your dog. They're not public property when they exist in the office, um, although sometimes they can kind of feel that way, like you have to kind of share your dog with everybody, especially in my office where Paisley is usually the only dog in the area. It kind of feels like she's there to be everybody's emotional support animal. But at the end of the day, she's an autonomous being with me as her mom setting the rules for her. (laughs) So, yeah, don't be afraid to stand up for your dog. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And I think, too, I think you're, you're just gently, slowly educating people about maybe some rules and some boundaries with dogs that they didn't know about before. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Yeah. Well, and that's, you know, that's what I talked about in the episode about interacting with dogs you don't know, because I think that people mean well, but they're just really uneducated. Right. And obviously she knows some of your coworkers, but I think some of the principles still exist. Right. Like working in a space with an office doesn't mean you should always be constantly bombarding the dog and vice versa. Right. Like if you own a dog that's constantly bombarding people, you need to come up with some more training and some more management strategies. Yeah, definitely. Not everybody wants to have a dog jumping up on them all the time. Even if they love dogs, people are there to work. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So Ali, if people want to connect with you and sweet little Paisley and follow along on all <laughs> of your their adventures, where can they find you? Um, our Instagram is only Paisley with an underscore in the middle. Awesome. You can find us there. Okay. Yeah, so I will definitely include a link to that in the show notes, guys, because I love all their adventures. They have so much fun together. (laughs) We do. Thank you, Rachel. Yes. Okay, so Allie, thank you so much for the topic idea and for joining me. This is awesome. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was nice to talk to you, Rachel. Do you want to be able to trust your dog off leash? Do you want to improve your relationship with your dog? 
A dog with a trustworthy recall gets way more opportunities to adventure and be a dog. Let's be honest, having a dog that doesn't come when called really kind of sucks. So, do you want to make your life easier? Do you want to learn how to train a trustworthy recall? Do you have 10 minutes a day to devote to training for just 30 days? Check out my online course, Trustworthy Recalls. I give you step-by-step instructions for teaching a trustworthy recall with just 10 minutes a day for 30 days. You can learn more about trustworthy recalls at agfdogtraining.com. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to learn more about us, please check us out on Instagram at a good feeling underscore in co. You can also find us on Facebook at a good feeling dog training, as well as our website, agfdogtraining.com.